Metunetter Volume 5, Keys to Health and Longevity. Chapter 5, starting on page 56. Hypnosis is the Russian school of psychotherapy. Extensive scientific studies on the effect of words upon man's vital functions were conducted by the Russian School of Psychology. V. Bekterv Pavlov et al. The findings from the clinical experiments that spanned a period of 45 years were published in the Word as a physiological and therapeutic factor. The theory and practice of psychotherapy according to I.P. Pavlov by K.I. Platonov, Foreign Languages Publishing House, Moscow, 1959. Our chief concern at this point is the discovery in simple statements that are connected to simple and non-traumatic experience had the ability to induce psychological changes. A few examples will illustrate the principle. A subject in the state of trance was pricked with a pin at the time that the words hurt or pinprick were said. The prick of the pin gave rise to one, a motor defensive reaction, pulling the hand away, and two, an increase in the respiratory rate. and in in three, increase in pulse rate, four, vascular changes in the blood flow. After that, just saying the words hurt or pinprick alone gave rise to the same physiological responses. All of these physiological changes were monitored and recorded on vital sign monitoring devices. Further investigations showed that the same reactions could be produced with subjects in the walk in the waking state, especially in the emotional state or the alpha state, which Pavlov referred to as the transitional or paradoxal state. Of greater importance was the fact that the physiological response could be affected by the tone in which the words were spoken. In addition, once the physiological response had been established to the word, Suggestions could be used to alter the body's response to the physical stimulus. For example, when the subject was told that the pinprick would hurt very much, the same prick or a sham prick produced greater pain and stronger physiological changes. The opposite reactions were produced by the warning that the prick would hardly hurt. Similar studies were done with the ringing of a bell and the turning off of a light. As these were done, the words, I am going to ring the bell and I am turning on the lights were uttered. Eventually, the physiological responses generated by the ringing of the bell or the turning on of the light could be generated by the words alone. We will later see the great validity of these examples as the mild ringing of a bell and the turning of a light do not fit into the stress model of um, physiotherapy and thus expands the knowledge of mind over matter therapeutics. 
The insight developed from these experiments laid the foundation for the Russian school of psychotherapy. Platonov's book documented the many cures achieved by the schools utilizing suggestions. For example, subjects were prepared through a re-education in fundamental life values and then told in trance or in the waking state that through their new understanding of life or of themselves, they had outgrown the need to indulge a specific emotional behavior that was shown to be associated with their illness or addiction, alcohol, for example. Once the subject transcended the emotion, the illness or addiction disappeared. A very instructive lesson in mind over matter is provided by experiments conducted by Pavlov Platinov in 1928. After placing a subject in the state of suggested sleep, a person was told, you have a pitcher of water and an empty glass before you. Actually, there was no pitcher nor empty glass on the table. Then the suggestion was made, you are drinking water. You have drunk one glass. You are drinking another. Platinov informs us that at that point, the person reached out as if she were taking a glass, brought her hand to her mouth and made swallowing movements as if she were drinking water. Once placed in a hypnotic trance, the cerebral cortex will experience suggested physical reality as solid and as real as the real thing. The hypnosis continued, if you are now drinking the third glass and fourth, you have drunk four glasses. After this, the subject was awakened, feeling good. And a few minutes afterwards, she said she wanted to urinate, which she did and continued to do so at intervals of about 10 minutes apart for two hours. She passed a total of 385 milliliters with a specific gravity of 1.011 in comparison to 150 milliliters of urine voided during the two hours leading up to the experience. This was an increase of 165%. In another experiment with the same subject, she voided 10 times more urine in the two-hour period with a specific gravity of 0.007. Blood analysis showed a corresponding drop in blood condensation, decrease in blood cells. In this book, Platinov also records a case in which a 29-year-old man that was suffering from diabetes insipidus was given fennel water, which has no effect on the illness. He was told that the extraordinary efficiency of the remedy, followed by the statement that if he wanted to get well, he would drink the remedy, and that with each spoonful of medicine consumed his thirst, would diminish. All of these statements were made in the normal waking state. The patient cooperated with the prescription and experienced a gradual diminution of his illness and was discharged from the hospital after three weeks and was well after last monitoring eight months later. His libido, weight, vitality also returned to normal. The therapy was repeated numerous times in the waking state and in trance with the same success. The experiment was expanded to see if the opposite could be achieved. 
After placing subjects in suggestive sleep, they suggested that sweets were being eaten. Tests performed after awakening the subjects showed that some of the subjects had increased sugar in their urine, while in others it was decreased. Thus, hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia were created by verbal suggestions given in trance. Are you convinced that you have low blood sugar? Similar successful treatments were done to suppress or create appetite and hunger with its attendant paralysis and indirectly controlled digestive disorders and illness connected to the digestive organs. For example, elementary leukotosis was controlled by the imagery, imaginary consumption of certain types of food. The technique was successful in inducing the release of pancreatic juices, digestive juices, reduction of diarrhea, constipation, vomiting, treatment of ulcers, nausea, etc. Are you convinced that you cannot control your appetite? While it is fairly easy to learn to hypnotize someone and to produce these effects, I became very proficient at it at the age of 10. It is not advisable to go about manipulating the body's symptoms indiscriminately. I was about to say without medical guidance. When I remembered that this is what they do most of the time, treat symptoms to the determinant of the patient's health, I provided these wonderful examples as they provided ample proof of the power of the mind over the body, even in the absence of faith. Yet there is a deeper truth that you must pay very close attention to. The success of the work done in hypnotherapy depends predominantly, although not limited to, suggestions given to subjects in the state of trance. People do the same all of the time. They give themselves suggestions while in trance every day, several times a day. All emotional states are trances to some degree, and the thoughts that reflect themselves to you automatically while you are in an emotional state and awake are auto-suggestions. When these are received in an emotional state, they are extremely powerful. Many sick people are visited by thoughts that drift in while worrying about their illness to the effect that things will get worse. With what we have learned from the Russian school, could it be possible that many cases of flu are caused by the virus, but the authoritative assertion that many, possibly millions, people could come down in a given year with the illness. If someone did, and no professional medic can deny the possibility, the patient's test will give proof that indeed he has contracted the disease. What of the person that accepts the thought that one day their arthritis will progress into a crippling state? Will that thought function as the main engine for the progression of the illness? What if the person nourished a healing thought instead? The scientific proof of our mind over body healing has been around for over a hundred years, yet the vast majority of the world's population is totally in the dark concerning it, and it was one of the most important things in their life, their health. But the reason is very easy to understand. Mind over matter is child's play, while medicine is big, billions of dollars big. 
I hypnotized my first victim when I was 10 years old. I had read the procedure for hypnotizing someone in the encyclopedia and after 30 minutes of reading it, I set out to find my first victim. I placed my hapless sidekick in trance and I placed my hapless sidekick in trance and suggested to him that he was afraid of cockroaches. Then I brought my thumb to his face and told him that it was a gigantic cockroach. Well, the poor fellow took off like crazy, literally, and almost creamed himself as if he fell down a ravine. I got one hell of a beating, the Panamanian West Indian kind. So I had to take my experiments on the mine from that day on underground and on the quiet. The findings concerning emotions and hypnosis by the Russian school, unknown to them, was the most valuable revelations from hypnotherapy. After performing tens of thousands of scientific experiments over a period of 45 years, the Russian school came to the conviction that suggestion is the most important stimulus provoking emotional reactions in man. It is capable of producing a much stronger effect and leads to much greater changes than any physical factor. Suggestion is inevitably revives the trance of formal cortical activity accompanied by some emotional reaction or other highlights our mind. What is so important about this observation is the fact that the suggestions which are given in trance to generate healing and pathological reactions are the same as the thoughts in spontaneously and automatically drift into our minds when we are in an emotional or distracted state. As I stated earlier, an emotional state is accompanied by a trance state. Psychologists recognize this by the fact that we go on autopilot or automatic behavior when we are acting out of an emotion. We are then running the programs that are in the cortex and in the animal brains. If at that moment that your doctor tells you that you have an aggressive cancer, you automatically went into emotional state with the thought of your person suffering great chronic pain and the fear of premature death, the trance of the emotional state will empower the thoughts to set up the condition that will aggravate the pain that the cancer will bring and the conditions that will accelerate your demise. The same will happen if your thoughts were limited to the negative impact that you're being sick and dying prematurely will have on your dependents. You will at that moment and whenever the thought reoccurs, which might tend to be often experience the same negative physiological reactions that an animal experience when facing an environmental threat. The great difference, of course, is that the reaction to the animal is a beneficial survival reaction, while in your case, your emotional reaction has no survival value. Instead, it works against your survival. Platinov goes on to decide the emotions in respect to their physiological effects into two large categories, asthenic and asthenic. Sthenic and asthenic. The sthenic group pertains to emotions of joy, aspiration, pleasure, etc. 
They positively increase the vitality of the cortex and therefore is the ability to assimilate information, learn, and and to control the lower brain. The asthenic group pertains to negative emotions, pain, anger, fear, worry, grief, disgust, sadness, depression, etc. They reduce the vitality of the cortex and therefore its ability to learn and to carry out its function. It is important to note that these conclusions were arrived at from tens of thousands of experiments that were conducted on patients and subjects while fully wired up to machines that monitored their brainwave, breathing heart rate, blood pressure, skin galvanic resistance, and so on. In addition to their vital fluids were monitored and recorded as to quantity and quality, etc., Platinov is very thorough. After all, he has the benefit of 45 years of study. He adds the remark that, thus, whereas the content of emotion is determined by the particularities of the environmental factors and by the attitude of a concrete person to them, its physiological action is determined by the nature of the interaction of the cortex and the subcortex animal brains. What he is saying is that the situations do not have an emotional characteristic in themselves. The emotional characteristic is the result of a person's attitude to the situation. In everyday life, people violate the basic fact when they state that the situation is horrible or frightening or vexing or upsetting or worrisome, etc. Some people do not flinch where others are terrified. And for that clincher, Platinov observes that it is the interaction of the cortex with the animal brains that determines the physiological reaction. So you will also be in violation of the facts if you concluded that your bad marriage or your cheating husband or death of your spouse made you sick. The Russian school was a good 30 years ahead of the rest of the world in understanding that the cause of illness, the physiological reaction was in interacting between the cortex and the animal brains. They just did not have the full amount of data concerning neurotransmitters and information substances to better state their case. It will prove helpful to our understanding of the whole to add to our store of knowledge the Russian school's distinction between higher and lower emotions. The lower emotions are feelings of hunger, thirst, sexual drive, etc. When they are not satisfied, they have an aesthetic vitality-lowering effect on the cortex, which gives the animal brain the potential to take over. The drive for food and water or course must be satisfied. Sex is a different matter. What is highly instructive here is the realization that if you do not take adequate measures to protect the cortex, the inability to gratify the sex drive will have a negative physiological effect. Satisfying the lower emotions produce a authentic effect on the cortex. The higher emotions are the drives that are determined by the social interest. They are the products of the mind. Therefore, 
their satisfactions are in the mind and not in environmental factors. The anger that you experience when someone treats you unjustly was not caused by the person's injustice and is not to be removed by the rendering of justice. The anger was caused by your attitude, your idea of how you are justified in feeling in the situation and must be removed by a change in thinking and attitude. To summarize, let's note that hypnotherapy is an extremely valuable tool, yet we must not lose sight of the fact of its limitations. It excels in the removal of symptoms, especially pain. It has scored excellent successes in healing conditions where the hypnosis was able to find the mental emotional cause of the physical disorder. But this is a hit and miss given that there is one-to-one cause and effect relationship that can be referred to. In other words, hypnotherapy suffers from the limitations of non-holistic medicine. It relieves threats, it relieves, treats, heals specifics, but not the whole person. In other words, it does not establish health. Why? As we have noted, the chief cause of illness in the human self-image. Hypnotherapists so far, at least the published ones, have all accepted the belief that man is a human being. They therefore fail to remove the fundamental cause of emotions and stress reactions. An examination of published hypnotherapy proceedings, you will see therapists telling patients in trance that it is all right to be afraid, to be angry, and so on, as long as they deal with them in acceptable forms, etc. Only the tops of the wheels are clipped. Yet we must be grateful for the discoveries of hypnotherapists. They have contributed a great deal to the understanding of the science of the mind over matter and spirituality. There is much to learn both from their successes and their failures. This book will focus on the mind-body techniques that will establish health, just not the healing of this or that, even though the task will be, must use the specific illness manifestations of the patient as monitors of success in the work. You will monitor the success of your work on the underlying cause through the healing of your specific illness. A good example is provided by the inadvertent healing of specific problems that occur from a change in diet or lifestyle. And here ends the reading of chapter 5.